This podcast is also available in a video form on the Hometown Hero Outdoors YouTube channel. Welcome to the Hometown Hero Outdoors Podcast. Here is your host, Chris Tatro. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Hometown Hero Outdoors Podcast. We're doing a little different setup this time. We're diving into the video world, trying to get some of our podcasts on our YouTube channel. Uh, today, we have uh, two d- different guests here. We have Mike the Cop. He's our main featured guest today, also known as Mike Edwards, his real name here. And then we have uh, Sean Olsberg, who is our regional director. So I'm going to read Mike's bio here real quick. So Mike I- Edwards was an active law enforcement officer for 11 years. During the time, he began to create content on social media. That was meant to encourage cops and educate non-cops in all engaging, entertaining ways. Mike was co-founder of the nonprofit Humanizing the Badge, which is now part of Relentless Defender Foundation and an ongoing effort to support officers serving in the communities with distinction. Mike went on to engage in the path of entrepreneurship and started a real estate business and eventually helped launch the 10-7 Project, a nationwide initiative to help 10,000 heroes take better vacations. They help cops, veterans, and other public safety professionals supplement or replace their income through their own residential real estate business. Welcome, gentlemen. Mike, thanks for being here. Really appreciate you being here. Thanks for having me, man. So just tell us a little bit about what's going on in life these days and what what's the current uh, situation looking like with the 107 Project and how things are moving. <laughs> uh, my life looks like I... I had uh, my daughters, my oldest daughter, she turned 26. We had a roller rink murder mystery party at my house on Saturday night. Oh, wow. And uh, I didn't have to ask anybody if I could have it off. So that's going good. Uh, I just did it because uh, I work for myself now, which is, which is a bonus. So that's, uh, that's one of the, one of the great benefits of, of where I'm at in life at this point. And uh, yeah, the Ten Seven project is sort of like uh, my day to day a lot of my day-to-day of my personal business, but then just trying to help coach uh, and encourage other cops to to get on board with the project and learn learn how to grow and manage their own business in this space. And it's going good. Good. That's awesome. No, I, I know that there's a lot of individuals out there that have a hard time with trying to figure out what to do with if they're in the, a public service position, either that's military, law enforcement, any other first responders, and that transition can kind of be scary. So it sounds like you're doing it and you're helping other people do it. And it sounds like it's uh, going really well. Yeah, we're having a good time, man. That's awesome. Mr. Olsberg, checking with you. How's things in the South? Hey, everything's good here. It's hot, boy. Real hot. Not up here right now, but it's getting better. But So you two uh, got to meet each other down at the Relentless Defender Gala. Do you want to talk about that a bit, Sean? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a few months ago, uh, Relentless Defender Foundation had their annual gala uh, held down in Galveston, Texas. I was able to go down there and uh, meet and represent Hometown Hero Outdoors and really meet a whole bunch of uh, people that are that support the law enforcement community uh, from around the country. And it was a it was a great event. You know, we had a a nice social the night before where everybody kind of got to hang out and, and uh, become 
friends. And then the next night we had a really great banquet where, where we raised a lot of money that will uh, be used and for a lot of good from around the country. And Mike, uh, from what I understand, you were the MC for that evening. I was, I was hobbling around cause the, the night before the night we met, I, I, I rode a mechanical bull for the first time. Oh man. So my, uh, my, my parts were sore. <laughs> I have a, I have video evidence of that. Like, uh, it, it didn't oh, last long. That's what she said, but it, uh, it was, it happened for sure. So, uh, yeah, no, it, it was a great, great event every year. It's, it's kind of like a, it's the one staple event for me for sure. And I've been, I've been able to MC that the last couple of years. I don't know if that's going to continue. Like, I think I'm out of jokes. I think that's it. Like I'm done. getting dried up now. <laughs> you pass the torch. Maybe you're next yeah. trip. I don't know. Oh, yeah, right. Nope. Not me. I'm just there to have, I want to go next year for sure and have some fun, but I know this year I really wanted to be there. Unfortunately I missed, but I heard a lot of good things about it and, and the years past. And as everyone knows, we're pretty good friends with relentless defender Slater, phenomenal individual. And, We'll get into that a little bit deeper here in a little bit. Mike uh, has had a relationship with them for quite a while. But, Mike, um, for the listeners and everything, kind of we're curious about your law enforcement career, how it began and where it started. And what was your interest in law enforcement and why? Yeah, I came from, uh, I wouldn't necessarily say a law enforcement family. uh, But when I was a little kid, my dad was uh, in Springfield, well, Champaign-Urbana area. He was... uh, a dispatcher for police and fire there. And so all, all the time from being the youngest that I can remember, um, there was some sort of connection to like that public safety world. And then I had done some like security work for a department store kind of a thing. It's a regional regional store. And I got to meet a lot of cops. And then um, when I went to college, I, I met a couple of cops on campus and I was just, always intrigued by uh, the law enforcement world. So it was like always one of those things where I was like, man, that seems like something I would really enjoy doing. I feel like I would be a good fit there that I would really, really have a good time. And it was just never, never materialized for me early on in my life. I got married really young. I was 19 years old when I got married and I started a family. And so you know, life moves fast like that sometimes. And then you're like, well, man, <laughs> now, now what? I got to work to, you know, like I just, I just need a job. I don't need to like try to go down a new career path or whatever. So, uh, and at the time uh, that would have been in the, in the late nineties, it was very, very competitive to, to try to get a job where you would get sponsored into the Academy and that kind of a thing. So I kind of like just put, put that on hold as sort of like a wish list that one day if I could ever do that, that'd be cool. Um, but I just focused on my family for the most part. My brother uh, became a police officer uh, well ahead of me and he, he loved it. And we had very similar personalities. So I think like, man, I think I would enjoy this. And then uh, the opportunity presented itself. Uh, I had a business at the time. The economy took a, took a dump <laughs> in 2008 and uh, it, had a, it had a tremendous impact on my business at the time. So there was a, there was a window to go to the police academy. So I did and, and started that in 2009 and didn't look back for quite a while. Uh, just dove into the career and, and it was definitely a good fit for me. I, I really loved, uh, really loved doing the job. 
did uh, your brother and you work for the same department then? No, no, different departments. Okay, which part of the states uh, were you in from Michigan? I like the Metro Detroit area. Okay, and your brother was somewhere else in the state. Well, yeah, same area. Oh, same close. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. No, it's it's interesting to hear how people's lives and how they get gravitate towards law enforcement. What are the things and the circumstances that kind of push you in that direction? Uh, so on the job, you know, how did you like things to begin with? Were you you were on patrol, I assume, for a while? Did you do any special assignments or anything like that? Uh, I mean, the closest I got to special assignment stuff was um, I did some highway interdiction. Um, so that was that was sort of close, but I would still <laughs> I would still have to shag calls. I would have to come off the off the expressway and, and shag calls when I was doing that. But I was a, you know trained in it, so. Um, usually if we had, a, if we had a full compliment, I could get away with being kind of released to go do that, uh, for the shift or whatever. So, I mean, that was, that was a focus, uh, for a little bit of time in my career. Other than that, I just, I, I pushed a scout car, shag calls, you know, eventually became uh, a field training officer later on in, uh, in my career there. So yeah, um. But nothing, uh, nothing too crazy. I mean, as far yeah. as special assignments goes. Well, it's all work and it's all important. Everyone's got a, a role to engage in. And I know that interdiction, there's a lot to the interdiction, you know, and the people who do do it are really good at it. And, but it sounds like the training is on the up and up and they actually do a good job of getting people to recognize what they need to engage in with interdiction. Did you enjoy doing that then? I did. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, I think I it was it was a toss up between that and and the times where uh, we would we would have seasons again if if we did have the staffing where we would uh, myself and and a partner would hunt warrants you know that kind of a thing I I, I think I enjoyed that more more than interdiction um, so it, my my real dream was the U.S. Marshal Service but I was just too old to do that. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, that'd be a that'd be quite the interesting law enforcement change, but also really cool, really cool yeah. gig, I would think. Yeah, for sure. So if the, if there would have been a a local way to do that, that would have been something that I would have been interested in. But that that just wasn't in uh, in the cards for me. Did you get to work on any tasks task force with them? Occasionally, you know, like uh, we had at our department, we had people farmed out to DEA, FBI. Um, local narcotics uh, task force in the state. So I got to help, you know, occasionally in that, in that arena, but never, you know, on some like ongoing basis or anything like that. Yeah. So I know that as you've gone on in your career, you know, you're with uh, your content creation as Mike, the cop, what was it that got you into wanting to do that? What was the things that you really felt like, Hey, I need to, I need to start sharing some content here about law enforcement and, what got that all moving? Yeah. So, um, in 2010, so headed into, you know, my, my first year of policing or a little bit over And when I say policing, I mean like from the time that I started the Academy at least. Um, cause once I started that, I didn't do anything else. Uh, my brother that I mentioned earlier, he was killed in the line of duty in July of 2010 and so, um, out of that experience, uh, for years, um, I, I benefited greatly from the law enforcement community around me, uh, showing me tremendous support and offering tremendous support. 
And, you know, sometime in, in like spring of 2014, a couple of things happened. Uh, but I saw the media shifting, right, in how they were portraying law enforcement officers, how they were covering things. And it's not like policing has never had its problems. It has. But there was something like, I don't know, a, a unique change or shift happening, it seemed to me. And I felt like, okay, now I have this ability to write or this ability to create. Maybe I can help give back to the law enforcement community that's supported me through my difficult experiences. Now, if I can, if I can in some way say some things, do some things that can help support the law enforcement community, well, then I, I want to do that. And that's when I started uh, a blog and started writing and just sharing my thoughts and experiences. And, and that, that provided some pretty quick feedback um, in a positive sense um, from cops who were like, I needed to hear that or, you know, that thank you for thinking of us or saying the things that we can't say kind of a thing. Um, a lot of cops feel trapped in, in silence with uh, policies and, and uh, putting their career at risk and um, I was just in a fortunate place where I was able to share my thoughts and and uh, started to put them out there. No, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I think that a lot of what was difficult during those times, you know, social media was growing quite quickly. And, you know, the media does have quite uh, the power, really, when it comes to being able to share what they do and don't share and how they portray it, cutting and editing things in certain manners and, you know, really just showing stuff that helps them get them clicks or views. And mm -hmm. uh, I think that, you know, I remember watching you when you first started your content um, early on, you know, I thought it was awesome to be able to see that I'd been in law enforcement, you know, for several years at that point, And I thought it was great just to have not only a little bit of comedy to things, but also to have the ability for um, people to be able to look into the life of law enforcement in a different fashion, you know, not the authoritative way all the time, essentially. Yeah but also to have some fun with it. And, you know, I know that you had your, your social media life flourished quite a bit throughout that, but what are the ups and downs that you found throughout that? What, like the creation, what are the, what are some of the high positive things that have came back to you based on your media? And then maybe some of the negatives that you've experienced. I mean, some of the positives, maybe I'll never even know, you know, cause not a lot of people, you know, come back and express, anything. But I mean, if, if the people who have reached out are, are any indication uh, of benefit from what I've done, then I'm happy, right? Like if it's, that that's an indicator that that's more widespread, I'd be happy just, just to know, like, I mean, it meant the world to me when I would get messages and it's like, yeah, we had a, you know, like we had a tough shift and we were able to kind of like, when we kind of circled up the cars at the end, we just watched a few of your videos and we were laughing and whatever else, if it was able to be like cathartic or, re or relieving in some way to, to guys. And so I said, like, the purpose of my content was to just encourage cops, you know, like I was a cop, I wasn't, um, I wasn't just like some outside content creator, like <laughs> trying to capitalize on a group of people. Yeah, right. just, That was my life. I was just sharing my real experiences in mind uh, with people and, um, and wanted to just encourage them. So if they, if they felt a little better about themselves, their career, um, and like, uh, encouraged to keep going, then, then I was happy. And I think that, I think in large part, I was able to do that for a season. You know, I don't know that I'm doing that now in the same ways. Um, 
my, my life has changed. So my content has changed and, you know, people don't stay the same forever. They grow and, and they adapt and change. And uh, I'm no exception to that. But for that season of sort of like the Mike, the cop era, I had a good time. And, and I think that the highs was knowing and, and interacting with people in person and online, knowing I'm actually accomplishing what I set out to do, which is to primarily to just encourage cops. Yeah. Mike, do you think that, you know, your blogging helped you uh, with your mental health and is a way for you to kind of get that out there and, and help others to join, join in? A hundred percent. Yeah. That's, that's, um, yeah, it was very, uh, self-therapeutic. Um, I didn't, I didn't set out for it to be that way. Like I didn't think to myself consciously like, oh, blogging will help me, (laughs) you know? Uh, but when I started writing and sharing my thoughts, it felt good to take what was in my head and my heart and put it out, you know, somewhere and and share that. Obviously, that's kind of like feels risky to share your real thoughts on something or your real feelings on something. But uh, but yeah, absolutely. It was it was a huge help for me. Yeah, that's great. You know, and broadcasting to your audience is, is a you know, they're pretty pretty closed off individuals. So I think that that's pretty, pretty good to get it out there. Yeah, for sure. And I, I did not mean to gloss over it, but we're sorry to hear about your brother. I did. That's something I did not know. That's a oh, that's very okay. terrible, terrible thing. And I'm, I'm sure that you de- dealt with some of your own mental health struggles after that. You know, that was probably difficult. Yeah. I mean, uh, I always tell people that, you know, dealing, dealing with difficult circumstances, like uh, I talk about faith uh, as, as a huge component for me. Um, you know, people, different people have different outlets or different means uh, and that's a whole conversation, but yeah, I mean, I, I thankfully have never struggled um, in some of the ways that I know people do. Um, and I've been, I'm grateful for that. Um, I think that I, in large part, that's because of my faith and then, it's connected to my family. Uh, so my faith and my family and my, my fun, my fitness, I've always maintained a life outside of policing. <laughs> so, you know, when they tell you in the Academy to like, not only have cop friends and not only do cop things, um, right. there's a reason for that. And, uh, so thankfully I listened. So I just never, I, I always stayed engaged in those things. And I think that helped me a lot because I wasn't trapped. I didn't feel trapped um, in just my own thoughts and just my own, um, experiences. Um, I, I, I know that, you know, in some sense, only other cops will know what that experience directly might be like, but at the end of the day, I, I, you know, cops aren't the only ones that experience tragedy and loss and difficulty. And so, um, I think that helped me a lot, but those, those, those things, really kept me, kept me grounded, I think, and kept me healthy, uh, mentally, spiritually. Um, so I'm, I'm grateful that I didn't, I didn't, um, end up in, in any type of, um, I guess feeling trapped, uh, mentally or, or getting, going down a path that would lead to any kind of diagnosis of, you know, post-traumatic stress, uh, disorder or anything like that. So one of the, that, I mean, that's fantastic. I mean, it sounds like you did a really good job of actually having good networks around you that were able to help 
you know, with your mental health and focus elsewhere, which is, like you said, a lot of cops have difficulty with having those friends outside of law enforcement. And I've seen it. I've been there too. Even is in the military too. You see it a lot in the military as well. And, uh, I do know that the job can consume you, you know, you are married to the position that you're in and that's all you think about at times. And then unplugging is the hard part. You know, and I think it's very important to say that, you know, finding the outlets out there that are going to help you, whether that be, like you said, with faith, um, working out, going out and finding nonprofits that support people and doing different um, things that their mission may engage in are very important, which actually brings us up to some of your nonprofit work. Um, Talk about your early stages. You know, I know you did the content creation and I'm sure that eventually led more into humanizing the badge and where that started and how it began. Yeah, we, uh, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have a goal, uh, you know, when I set out to do content other than like, like I said, I wanted to keep cops encouraged and quickly realized I need to educate non-cops, right? Like people have all these assumptions about policing and things like that. So I wanted to be able to add a layer of, of what I was doing to help them understand, you know, uh, that cops are people and, uh, and what, what they're thinking or, or why they do what they do. So I wanted to add a layer of that. Uh, but I, I had no end game in mind, but all of a sudden this audience begins to build. And then simultaneous to that, I found another, uh, young lady who was blogging, um, as well. Uh, her husband at the time was a SWAT guy down in Texas and, uh, her writing was phenomenal. And, we connected and started to kind of collaborate a lot more. And that's uh, where humanizing the batch was, was sort of like formed. She kind of like had already begun that initiative. Uh, her name's Tristy. And uh, I kind of came along with that and says, man, I feel like together we could accomplish a lot uh, of good things. And so that's, that's really where, uh, humanized the badge, which kind of had started in name uh, with her. Then we began to grow and accelerate that um, together for quite a number of years. And with humanizing the badge, uh, I mean, it's grown and transformed quite a bit. I know you have a lot of friends and partners that you have you know, grown these relationships with to have this outreach to others. Um, I know you're pretty close with Officer Daniels mm -hmm. and and um, our friend Tret's cop, he's um, part of the, was a part of humanizing the badge. I think he's, is he transitioned over? I don't hundred percent know, but, but talk, talk about some of those partners or friends that you've, you know, created and what, I mean, everyone has kind of a different niche too with, you know, what they engage in and how they help others. Yeah. I mean, back in 2015, there was, uh, I, I'm not wanting to slight anybody because I, I just don't know. I don't know of anybody else that was doing it before Officer Daniels online, like to, at, any, no. at any at any level that like I I knew about, you know. So if anybody listens to this, is like I was making content, cool, I, that's awesome, like good for you. I don't know, I just didn't know about it. Right? <laughs> so like I feel like as a viewer, Officer Daniels was like he was the guy doing it, like he was right. online and he I was like he was making these videos. And I remember thinking to myself, there's no way this guy's a cop. He can't do that. Like, you can't do that. <laughs> right. And then um, I started making content because that was like part of like part of the conversation at Humanizing the Badge at the time. I was like, 
What are we going to do next? How are we going to continue to grow and bring awareness to this nonprofit, uh, to this organization that we're building? You know, it's like, well, I can try to make these videos like this guy, <laughs> you know, like I could do something like that. And then as, as my stuff was growing, then he actually reached out to me and, you know, like I felt like I was fangirling because this guy that I watched, you know, on, on the internet where I'm like, what the heck, this is crazy. And I was shocked. I, I asked, I was like, there's no way you're a cop, right? He's like, no, I'm, I'm really a cop. I'm like, no way. How do you get away with this? You know, like, um, right. And cause the content that I was putting out was more like blogs and other, like I hadn't yet had like too much courage to go all in on like the video stuff, you know, because I was like, this is, this is going to end bad. Yeah. You're worried about it coming back to bite. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so it was us too, like uh, heavy on the video stuff. Tristy continued to do like primarily a lot of the writing. And then, um, man, really early on in this process, we started having guys like Lieutenant Stephen Williams, who was also, he was killed in the line of duty um, uh, in 2020, uh, June of 2020. And he, he was, he came on as a writer uh, for humanizing the badge and, uh, Man, then then we started adding in uh, all kinds of uh, of other people as they came along. There was a guy, uh, Square One. He was he was a part of it. Uh, deputies Hookem and Bookem. They came in to the, onto the scene, and so all of a sudden, like we had like this little nucleus of of officers that were like making content and having a good time, and all of them were like real cops and really good at being cops. They weren't, we weren't just, uh, you know, we weren't all rookies making content, you know? So that was like a lot of the, the, it was a very, very fun season of life, uh, you know, where uh, a lot of these folks kind of came in and, and it developed and now there's, Oh no, it's the Popo and guys like Craig came on and, and we're making content and, uh, and now I don't know. I I, I look around now and I'm like I, I look at the sheer volume of cops like on TikTok, and I'm like, man, this is, uh, I guess, this is a different world. I'm like, right. I'm basically in a retirement home at this point. Like I don't know. <laughs> yeah, who's who's my <laughs> You know. Oh, that's funny. No, I know it's it's gained a lot of steam. I've been watching, you know, uh, humanizing the badge since the early days and it's always kind of fun to go over there and it just, it's a good place for your, our mental psyche at that moment, just disconnect and be able to watch the content and the things that you guys are doing was, it was fun to watch all that. I mean, I've watched officer Daniels and watched Tammy him, them do their stuff together. And yeah, there it's just fun. You know, your videos are good. You know, I know you and officer Daniels have done several videos for what's the favorite video you guys have so far that you've done. <laughs> That's a good question, man. I, I'm not sure what our biggest video is or, or whatever, but uh, he came to Michigan one time uh, for, I'm not sure if it was for a project, uh, project human event or something, but uh, we made a a video, something along the lines of like when cops fulfill their dreams and become firefighters. And we went to a fire yeah. department and like woke up in bed together and just, like it wasn't even that long of a video, but um, we had so much, we had so much fun filming that, uh, we filmed several videos, like while he was in town that weekend. Like, I feel like those videos that we made like that week were like peak partner videos. Like it was good. 
I remember seeing that firefighter one. That was a good one. And it, you know, it's always fun banter between law enforcement and fire. You know, we, we can't do what we do without each other at all. I mean, even though they're second responders still, but you know, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We all love you. Um, so relentless defender and your guys's relationship flourished as well. I know mm-hmm. that you're pretty close with Slater Slater and his crew are absolutely phenomenal and they've best been great to us. Best yeah. Yeah. And they're so all in and everywhere and everything that they do with law enforcement. It's just phenomenal. But uh, talk about your relationship with relentless and how that grew. Yeah. I mean, I met Slater. <clears throat> what was really cool is that again, when we started humanize the badge, like I didn't know that relentless defender existed. I didn't know, like I wasn't, yeah, we, we didn't set out to like grow to anything. Like there was, there was no, no clear, no clear path for what we were trying to accomplish other than just, like I said, keep cops encouraged. So like we had no end game in mind. We're like, well, here's, here's what the vision of this is. We had nothing. So we just kind of went with it. We were, we were like chasing what was happening, trying to keep up um, because we just didn't know any different. And we ended up at, you know, we were like, okay, well we can make these t-shirts or we can do whatever. Um, we were trying to figure out what causes we were going to, put this toward or what was going to happen. And we ended up at police week in like tent city. And I just remembered how, uh, I guess accommodating Slater was and how the whole relentless crew was just like welcomed us with open arms, like didn't view us as like competition. You know, we had, we had t-shirts at our booth, that were not relentless t-shirts at the time. We were just like, print, I would just printed them locally, you know, here in, in Metro Detroit. And like, just, I just went to a print shop and like got t-shirts done, you know? So like we, we were a competitor as it were, but like uh, they just supported us. Like, I think Slater even came over and like bought a t-shirt, you know what I'm saying? No like, and um, so that was like the beginning of that relationship. And then we just kind of like stayed in contact. And eventually I was like, man, there's no reason for me to like give my business to non-cop, like just random, like what, why aren't, is there a way for us to partner together, you know? And um, so, yeah, that's when the relationship, I guess, got serious, got serious. Things got a little spicy. Yeah. Yeah. We, we took it to the next level. We had that define the relationship moment, you know? <laughs> um, and yeah, that's when like, like I, as a, as an individual became like a, affiliate, you know, a promoter of Relentless Defender, uh, started getting our stuff printed uh, with them, that kind of thing. So, yeah, so we've just stayed in contact over the years. And, you know, since they started the the foundation and had the the gala, like I've been at all of them and, you know, we've spent time together at Police Week and different events. I mean, we even did a fitness competition one time between me and Daniels and we got pepper sprayed uh, for money. It was terrible and we've done a lot of cool cool little things like that to raise funds and yeah it's been fun man i remember that i totally remember that no it's awesome i'll never do it again (laughs) don't blame you (laughs) what would you rather do pepper spray or taser taser all day long i know i i'm in the same boat i feel you we'll return to the podcast in a moment but first we want to thank silencer central for supporting our podcast Silencer Central has been making silencer buying simple since 2005. 
and works tirelessly on behalf of suppressor owners everywhere. Go to silencercentral.com to learn about how to buy a suppressor and browse their product catalog. Now, back to our podcast. Sean, uh, I know that you've grown with your relationship too a little bit with Relentless down there. I know they're in your home state there. Do you want to talk about Relentless and just some of your interactions that you've had with them as well? I know that you had that interaction at the gala with everyone. Yeah, I mean, everybody, uh, uh, you know, between Aaron and Danielle and Stephanie, everybody on that team, he's really assembled a uh, just an amazing team that are really professionals at their craft. And uh, if any time we've ever had an issue or had an idea for a shirt, you know, we send the idea down and, and they take it from there and really produce a product that that sells, you know, that it's exactly what we were looking for, if not better. And so uh, having them local down here and um, seeing what they do in the local, in the Texas law enforcement communities is pretty amazing. Uh, they, they can reach their, their reach is far, I guess I should say. And uh, people at the gala, you know, we had people from uh, all over the state, you know, West Texas was represented Dallas, Fort Worth, Houston, San Antonio, um, I was able to meet cops from all over the place, uh, which gave me a chance to introduce them to Hometown Hero Outdoors. And and now we form some partnerships with different uh, departments uh, that we can work with their, their mental health uh, units and and try and just be there to provide, you know, for our for the officers here in Texas. Yeah, I know. And it's kind of interesting how it came full circle, too. I know that, Mike, your relationship with Slater's been there for quite a while. And I know I've tried reaching out to you. Um, and we have emailed and co- had correspondence on a couple different occasions. Just the timings never worked quite well. You know, we were going to try to have you come up to one of our banquets a couple of years ago, but you were already booked, I believe. I had something going on. But it was kind of cool that Sean was able to actually bump into you there and finally get a conversation, which led to this podcast and hopefully some additional collaboration down the road. Yeah, so, I, I I love what you guys are doing. Um, it's it makes a lot of sense. I, I I'll take some flack for this, and I'll preface it that it's me saying it, not you guys. But I, I'm pretty convinced after spending a lot of years in this space and very up close with a lot of people who've gone through a lot of stuff. Um, most of the time, getting around good group of people who you know, know what you're going through, know what you're feeling, and just getting to blow off some steam in healthy ways goes 90% of the way to helping somebody. <laughs> like, it's it's a huge, huge help, um, you know. Uh, and that's not to say that there's not times where people need to see uh, a professional, right? Somebody who can really help um, or, if there, or if there's really diagnosable issues going on that require... Uh, more advanced treatment, you know, medication or, or ongoing uh, therapy of some kind, like that's not to, I don't want to diminish or say that that's never um, necessary or something. But what I will say is that a lot of what we experience and a lot of the, the, just accumulative things, uh, the day to day of, of policing, a lot of it can be alleviated with just healthy outlets and, getting around a group of people and 
going hunting and having a weekend away or a, a season of time away and just being able to just be yourself and blow off steam, that in and of itself is a tremendously healthy thing. So kudos to you guys for just doing what you can do and uh, putting that out there for people in the community. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, it's, we absolutely love doing what we do and our mission, you know, it's, it's kind of changed over the years to some extent, the basis of being in the outdoor is always going to be there no matter what we do, but we're trying to figure out ways how to actually be more available to people that we assist as well as ensure that we have enough tools in our bag to help them out on the mental health aspect without being mental health professionals Mm -hmm. and then trying to leverage individuals who who do have those assets and the availability for the professionals that need it, which actually kind of brings up the topic of uh, the organization call for backup. Would you mind talking about that a bit? Uh, How involved are you with that? Uh, I'm not like super involved currently. Um, I've had varying degrees of, of responsibilities there that kind of came out of humanizing the badge um, because (laughs) humanizing the badge, when we, the the very first thing that we set out to do was to help alleviate some of the costs and, and financial burdens of police families who had uh, children with medical issues. <laughs> that was like, that was the first thing because uh, Tristy was in that situation, um, yeah. my co-founder. So um, we're like, well, you can't be the only one, right? So we'll do that. Like we, again, we were clueless guys. We didn't know, we didn't have a plan. Um but what was happening was that we were continually getting messages. My my husband was just involved in this incident at work. He hasn't talked to me in two days. I don't know what's going on. Um, or we would get we would get um, a message from from a cop. Hey guys, I'm really struggling right now. I don't know who to turn to. Uh, what you know messages like that, and they were all the time. <laughs> so we were like, okay. I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a mental health professional, right? Like I I don't like, I can talk to you, you know, like uh, I can share my, my thoughts and my experience, but if you need something more than that, we're, we're not capable of offering that very well. And at the time uh, my dad has um, a lot of letters after his name. I couldn't tell you all what it is, (laughs) but a much smarter man than I am. And all of that is in sort of like the counseling realm, uh, critical stress, uh, critical incident response and management, things like that. Um, and that began to really come come to uh, development after the Pulse nightclub shooting. We did an event in Orlando. Um, I can't remember how long it was after that, maybe like a month, maybe. Uh, we kind of went in, we partnered with some other people. And we just offered a free like stress resilience uh, class. Um, and so we saw a lot of people come together for that. And that's when we had to kind of like figure out what, what, what are we going to do here? Right. And we kind of developed um, Project Human. And that's why like now it's called Project Humanize with Relentless. But we were doing events in the community where we would partner together with local um local departments to do something cool in the community together and like inspire that promote it, give social media stuff around it to hope get the ball rolling so that they could keep it moving after that project was done. And then, then call for backup emerged out of that as like, that's like our mental health sort of like wing 
So we kind of had two things going on. And then eventually we just sent call for backup off like as its own thing. Cause it was like, it had become a thing. So now like that, that organization, you know, my dad will be speaking somewhere like every week uh, doing a training or whatever that's military bases, all public safety. So like lots of stuff going on there. So that's like its own animal now. Um, and I've done a couple of the trainings. Like I, I did the train, the trainer stuff with them. So I have, I have led some of the classes and stuff like that, but by no means am I an expert. Well, it sounds like a pretty noble cause being able to get people together and show them different ways and ways to think about things and approach everything. So no, that's, that's awesome. That's part of kind of what we're trying to do is with our um, assist training, our applied suicide intervention skills training is to be essentially a first responder when it comes to others in crisis. But then also we're trying to help develop it further on wh- where do we go after that when they need more help. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one thing that we're really going to buckle down in the next year here to try to figure out what direction that goes in. Um, but we also, we know there's a pile of organizations out there that have that availability. It's just knowing the right ones and, and right. what the capabilities are and just connecting with them is the biggest part. Yeah. And I think that that would be a good conversation for us to have with you or that organization further down the road here. Absolutely. Uh, so no longer in law enforcement, you were not, Nope. you have since left, um, what did that look like? What was that transition? What were the hurdles? I know that there's a lot of individuals out there that are contemplating on leaving the profession um, just because of not only politics, but just public perception, media, and it's just getting old for mm-hmm. a lot of people in that profession. So what what are the things that you mentally had to go through, you know, in those hurdles and, and, and how you got through those? Well, I feel like because I entered policing a little bit later in life, um, even though, again, I loved my time in law enforcement, loved what I was able to do. I look back on it uh, with, you know, a sense of pride and enjoyment um, and no and no regrets. Uh, but at the same time, I have the advantage of I, ha- I had businesses and, and a life before that. And I think a lot of times when you get, when you go to like high school and then you go get your <laughs> useless criminal justice degree or whatever and then roll roll into policing like it, it can really become uh, much more attached to your identity, right? Like you can't see yourself or understand yourself apart from that. Uh, I think I avoided that hurdle. I think it's a real hurdle. I just think that I didn't have to face it because I had a picture of what life was without law enforcement. Cause I was, yeah. I lived it. Right. So for me to think about transitioning out of law enforcement and, and back into anything else or into something else, wasn't a hard mental exercise, you know, because I I would just be going back to what, you know, in some sense life was like before that. Um, so I don't really, I can't say that that was a hurdle that I struggled with. Uh, I didn't even feel like I faced it. I just, um, I didn't plan on it when, I mean, my, my plan was to retire as a cop, you know, like I didn't have, um, goals to lead policing. But the opportunities that came along for me um, because of like the Mike, the cop stuff that opened up, um, it reignited in me sort of like that entrepreneurship spirit, um, the drive to do something more. Um, And that it was like a perfect storm for me because I came to a point in my career where 
Uh, I still would have had to have been in patrol for probably like another four, four or five years. Um, I didn't get picked for a task force uh, that I was uh, working toward and it spent a lot of time trying to get. And so I knew I'd be in patrol for longer. I had pushed the scout car for uh, a number of years and I was like, had another opportunity pop up um, where I could make more money and transition away from policing. And in Michigan, uh, you know, I don't know, I'm sure it varies state to state, you have two years uh, of your certification being good. So I felt like I was in a pretty low risk situation where if I tried something else and I hated it, or if I failed at it or whatever, that I could just come back, you know, or I just get another cop job, like whatever. Um, so I can respect the fact that a lot of people are intimidated by moving on uh, from policing. I just didn't, I didn't feel that because I was like, oh yeah, I just go back to life. You know, like I, I did policing and I can do something else. I know because I've done it. Right. So uh, that was, that was my transition. Oh, that's interesting. No, I mean, it does make sense. I've, I've heard that with some of the military folks too, that join a little later in life is that, you know, that they're, they've got a piece of what life looks like before military. I mean, I joined when I was 17, you know, and I, I was national guard, but I got to live two lives between the military and the national guard side of things. So I was, I feel like I didn't really have much to, um, I got experience both sides of that fence too. Um, mm-hmm. But I know Sean, you did your entire career in active duty. I did, but I also got a little bit later start. You know, I didn't come into, I was what, 23 um, after college and I had, I had already owned a business and failed and, and uh, you know, did, a, did a few different, had a little more life experience and having that experience helped me out through my career. Uh, and when you got out as well. I, I relate, Mike, and a lot of our young our young soldiers that get out after one enlistment of four years, uh, they do have a hard time separating and then being successful right off the get just because they don't have that experience and they just, everything's been laid out for them for, you know, f- the last four years. They don't even have to think of what to wear. You right. Know? So, um, yeah. So I think uh, gaining experience and offering uh, different options when, when you do transition is super beneficial to uh, both the, the police and the veteran communities, which uh, um, leads me into the 10-7 project and what you have going there. Um, that's, from what I see, is a, it's a pretty amazing program. Yeah, we're, again, we were surprised by um, how many things in my life start without a real clear end in mind. <laughs> like we just kind of like get ideas and just try it, you know, like, um, so that's, that's okay. kind of how this, how that was birthed as well. You know, like I, I did a variety of things when I left policing, I took a position initially with uh, like a startup company uh, doing some uh, social media marketing and developing influencers for them and different things like that. And I also got my real estate license. So Uh, I started learning how to do that business and find success there. And then uh, my good friend, longtime humanizing the badge, you know, board member supporter, uh, Chris Fisher, he, he was the guy behind survive the streets, a page for cops back in the day when that thing like blew up, you know, like 
he was fa- it was a faceless thing, but he was he was one of the guys behind that, and so he's he's got extensive social media experience as well. And we we were both doing the real estate game, and I think one night over bourbon, we're like, we can't be the only two idiot cops that learn how to you know do real estate. So maybe we could help others do the same thing, and that's where like the ten seven project came from. And we weren't prepared for the overwhelming initial response, and we had no systems in place to help people do. Do this at all, but uh, fast forward about three years, coming up on three years this fall. You know, now we've got all of the systems in place to help somebody succeed, and we're we're seeing people's lives change. Man, it's it's awesome. People who um, just growing in their self confidence and their abilities to to take their skill set from law enforcement or military service or just public safety in general and apply it into the business world. Specifically for us, obviously, it's like the real estate space, the homeownership space, and they're uh, they're running with it, and it's awesome to see. Yeah, and and that's you know, real estate is one of those occupations that you can you can ease into it. You know, mm-hmm. you can still do it part time. Uh, you know, while while you're on the job, you can yep. do real estate part time. So you're saying that the slow transition over. So if you're in law enforcement or whatnot, you can do it part time real estate as you wish, and then kind of slowly, fully taking on full time. Yeah, uh, that's. That's like 90% of our success stories start at that point. Full-time cops that want to test the waters, you know, see if they can do this and and build it over time. And uh, many of them have surprised themselves and decided, I don't need to retire from policing. I've got what I need here, you know, and made the, made the transition fully. But, you know, a lot of times people who do start early in this career, if they're still fortunate to have the 20 and out or they do 25 years, they're still leaving when they're mid forties or early fifties, you know, you got to do something with your life. And do you want to go do security somewhere? Do you just want to kind of be a version of a cop again in, in your second half of your life? Um, maybe, maybe you do, you know, um, I, I definitely do not. And I don't think a lot of people do. Um, nope. They just feel like that's all I know. This is all yeah. I'm good for. And that's just not true. That's that's not true at all. Um, the skills that you learn in policing or in first responder world in general, those skills translate not just into real estate. I mean, it, any kind of service industry, especially um, it, you have a huge leg up on people who are just starting out in that same industry because you've you, you've been through crazy experiences and your ability to communicate with people in really intense situations. It's like, it's honed in at that point, you know, like you're good. So, but a lot of these people, yeah, they start part-time, they get their feet wet and then they're in their mid forties or fifties and they're retired so that they they have a relatively risk-free environment to go experiment with this and, and improve upon it and make some extra money. I believe I actually have a friend that I know has been communicating with you guys and your project too, who's looking to transition out. So we know that it works. How many people have you had go through your program? Right now we've got around 190 licensed agents um, around the country and about another 150 that are actively in real estate school right now. So um, I would say total in the project, 300 and some there. We've got a launch group of probably over 4,000 of people who are like, watching in the wings and, and, right. sitting and they kind of like, okay, I'm ready to, I'm ready to try this. So uh, it's like we get a new person every day kind of checking us out. And uh, yeah, we don't, we haven't done any paid marketing or anything like that. It just has all just been 
organic uh, word of mouth. Like we wanted the results to speak for themselves. We wanted to really spend a lot of time getting our systems dialed in and, um, and we're getting there. Oh, that's cool. How would people go about finding you with the 10.7 project? Yeah, 107project.com. So it's like the the word 10, the number seven and project, T-E-N-7project.com. Oh, that's easy enough. Yeah. Figure that out. Cool. <laughs> no, that's awesome. You know, I, you've had quite the the life and a lot of ups and downs and different stories, but also at the same time, um, been influential for many in being able to help transition to different things. And I know from my aspect, I certainly appreciate the things that you have put out there and the relationships and the, uh, the engagement you've had with nonprofit work. I know that you've been to Minnesota, I think once for sure for our back in the blue line, our spouse group that is in Minnesota here to help with MC with their blue line ball. A couple yeah, that, years was ago. A, that was a fun one. I, I remember that one. It was, it was great. I think it was in Duluth. If that was, correct but uh no this one is definitely like in the metro minneapolis or something yeah okay maybe that was a lot of people there those like 800 some people yeah yeah that group's incredibly active they do a good job of helping support our law enforcement in the state here and we're actually headed out to one of their events they're doing something called the blue line bash it'll be in august in anoka county fairgrounds and we're going to be there to help with uh our spread our word to other law enforcement officers out there and their spouses. So we're pretty excited about that, but hopefully one day we'll get you up here and you can uh, have me with our group and our people that we have that uh, we help serve. So Sean, do you have any last comments or questions? No, uh, you know, uh, God is good. I mean, I'm glad uh, that uh, Mike was your place in my path and we just happened to meet down there and, uh, amongst a bunch of friends and I look forward to working with you and, and picking your brain over, over the, in the future. Likewise. Mike, I got one, one last question for you. Well, two, we'll go two. Number one, how can people find you on your social media or communicate with you if they want to reach out to have some questions? Depending on when this comes out, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm dumping the Mike, the cop name and uh, I need to go to just Mike Edwards. So I don't know what username is available yet. So I, I don't know. <laughs> but well, you, once it once it does come out, we'll put it out there. Yeah. And, uh, if you if you go to if you go to MikeTheCop.tv, whatever is there, so I'll probably put it there for a little bit uh, or whatever. Um, so yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know how you'll find me <laughs> once I change my username. But if you if you follow Mike the Cop on on social media when you hear this. Do it, do it quick, I guess, before it changes. There you go. And we'll, we'll make sure we get everything out there too. But then also my last question is what are your favorite things to do in the outdoors? Oh man. Uh, put a jujitsu mat down on the ground and do jujitsu <laughs> outside, I guess. I, uh, I, I'm not, I'm not like a major, uh, major outdoors guy, you know, in terms of like, uh, the typical things I do enjoy fishing though. Like that was like, that was my thing with, uh, especially one of my sons we would go fishing weekly during, during the seasons in Michigan when you, when you can. So, uh, fishing is probably something that I, I enjoy the most. Um, although I, I do have a goal in life of, of learning how to use a bow and I'd love to do some bow hunting. Well, I'll tell you what, once we get our team moving in Michigan, we'll get you hooked up over there. There you go. 
I know we do have one team member that is a uh, field staff in Wisconsin and he is in Michigan and he's hoping to um, start up a team over there in time. But I know when we were at police week, we met a lot of Michigan cops Yeah, and then we're trying to connect back all of them to see if we can get things moving out there a little bit more, but certainly appreciate your time today. I really uh, enjoyed our conversation and I look forward to doing additional work with you and more collaboration. Same. Appreciate it. So if any one of our listeners are looking to find more information on Mike the Cop, Mike Edwards in the future will put out that information. But if um, you're looking for additional assistance with some mental health type stuff, you can reach out with Project Humanize um, as well as Call for Backup or always reach out to us. And if you're really in in a place where you're having a hard time, our staff are trained and assist and we will help talk with them to help them get off that ledge and find some additional help or assistance. But also the national suicide crisis and uh, line is 988. So call 988 if you're looking for additional help when it comes to mental health. So Mike, thank you for your time today. Sean as well. Appreciate you both. Thank you guys. All right, everyone have a great day. Thank you for listening to the hometown hero outdoors podcast. For more information, visit our website at hometownherooutdoors.org.